not, not being around the, the
on the at, within stone's throw of an RAF field, and of course she's going to fall in love with a pilot. So what would it do without a little love and romance and you know friction here and now? That's good. So. Tell us how you created the first scene in the basement and how this sets the stage for the events to come. Okay. i got to tell you, Fran, you're very, very faint. I, I heard you, but it was really hard to hear you. Oh, you know, I, um, no, my, stupid, my, my phone is on um, speakerphone. Okay, I shut it off. That's why. Okay. All right. Um, well, I wanted uh, – I, I, We've known a number of, you know, we've known a number of English people because we've made so many trips to London and England in general. And um, I tried to, I, 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 I look at the, the films, the, the historical films of the bombing of London, and it's just such a devastating thing just to even see, to, to see on film. And um, so I, and I, I tried to recreate what it felt like. I thought that to, I wanted to really jump off, start the story off with, a, with, with something really big, a big event, and it, it was a big event for my lead, my my lead girl, my my heroine, um, mm. and I wanted to show how the you know what what it must have felt like. I was trying to to send that feel, what it felt like to just be that scared, and to have mm. that that terror all around you with these bombs falling, and what it sounded like, and 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 I started reading, um, I started reading like you know different accounts from people that were actually. I know uh, my uncle was part of that, so I understood what you were going through, that, what, what she went through. So tell us about Ava and Penny and Zoe, and what, what, what were their goals about? What were their goals? What did they really want to do as part of the war? Well, Penny, well, Ava wanted to, she decided that after that, after she was caught in that London bombing, and, and she's originally from She's, she's originally from Kent area, and Kent was getting mm-hmm. Kent had a lot of uh, airfields, so Kent was getting bombed a lot. And she was just saying, to, and, and like a lot of British people, I'm going to I'm going to fight for my country. And uh, and so she, when she started looking into you know what she could do, that the ACAC, the anti-aircraft unit, she started off doing filing. She was a, a librarian. She started off doing office work, and then she this. She was talking to her supervisor, her commanding officer, and he talked to her and said, I think you can do this. And she got really interested in it. Um, and so she tested for it. She tested really well. Penny, all along, Penny wanted to do something exciting. Penny saw that women were actually flying planes from, I mean, they couldn't go into battle, but they flew these planes, uh, Spitfires and, and, and hurricanes and things. They're flying the planes to the airfields. And she just thought that was exciting. And, and there is no Zoe. There is no Zoe. So I don't know where that, what that character is. So they need a tent. I'm sorry. Test, I, did, right? I can't hear you again. Okay. No, I'm no, sorry. What did you okay say? Now. They okay. need a test. I know that. But how did their families react when they decided what they wanted to do? Did they support them? Yeah. Yeah, they um, they were scared for them, but they also understood that this is England. England knew that they were they they had to hold the line. England was the last the last uh, un, unconquered country left in Europe. I, you know, and the Germans were going to do everything they could to to defeat them. And um, their mother, um, Ava's mother, uh, my heroine's mother, was scared for her. She was terribly scared for her because her husband yeah. was 
uh, Ava's father was so badly injured, he, he was gassed in World War I and so badly injured. Um, and Penny's mom didn't like it at all, but, you know, her, she, but she said, you, you know, you're, she, Penny was determined she was going to do it, so they, they supported him, you know. I don't know how many other people would have. So she winds up in an area, but she really didn't want to be there. What an area did she, what did she area did she have her heart set on on and she wasn't but she was great and what does the training involve? I I don't she want she didn't um, she was really never in an area she didn't want to be. She mm. just when she started off with the uh, uh, auxiliary people, the women the women's units, they initially say had her doing paperwork, but then she was really good and, and her like I said her commanding officer said she should test. And um, he thought that she would do good at it. And, and she was excited about being on, on the anti-aircraft unit. Mm-hmm. There was never really a time that she didn't like what she was doing. And the testing oh, is, you, they test you in, the, in normal ways. They test, but they test you in um, simulations, basically. So they, they, they've got you on these um, very sophisticated machines. The, the, they test you on sightings, like cause, you know, spotting your spotter. They see where, how good you do on spotting. Like can you, at what distance can you and, and can you figure out this special te- telescope that tells you, you know, that helps you identify whether it's an enemy plane or your or a, a friendly plane. And then the next thing is a predictor machine. The predictor machine will tell them height, uh, height, speed, and various mm. various measurements that lets the gunners know how long the fuse should be. Because they they relay that information, That's, and then they do simulations. They simulated them being in a bombing situation because they keep keep their wits about them. I would have definitely not done that. No, <laughs> I don't even like going on an airplane anymore. So what happens when she meets Chris, and how do they finally gel? Well, she's got his number one. Uh, she meets. Yeah, she was. He was. Uh, he was. He had been shot down. Over the channel, and he and it took a while for them to get a rescue to him, rescue boat to him, and so he got came down with pneumonia. And he there was a the field hospital at the airfield he was at, really wasn't wasn't um, the best place for him to get to get better. So they sent him to a different field hospital, and that field hospital was attached to the training camp that she was at. So she met him on the way to the mess hall. And they, you know, and he 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 gave her some gave her a hard time because she walked in front of him and blah blah blah. And then he was behind mm-hmm. her in line, and she just thought she, she just said she, she said you're a wanker. And um, and then the next day when she was running going through going through some testing, um, some events testing events, she didn't realize he was watching her. And he came up to her afterwards. He said, "You did really really well." And she said, "I didn't know you were watching me." He said. He said, "Well, you shouldn't know I was watching you. You should be paying attention to what you're doing, which is what you, what was good about it." And they started talking, and he asked her out, and um, that's that's how they got they they finally you know kind of got together. And then he um, he his, he had some influence with his uncle, as mm-hmm. an air vice marshal, and he mm-hmm. kind of helped his uncle arrange for her to be assigned to the um, an anti-aircraft unit near his airfield so that he could see her, continue seeing her. Pays to know somebody, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't mm-hmm. always work, though. So tell us about Kitty and Dennis and what happened to them. Oh, Kitty, yeah, Kitty's her friend, and she's part of the anti-aircraft unit, and, and they're fine. You, you, uh, I tried to give the impression in the book they, they are, they did fall in love. 
uh, he did want, they did want to get married, you know, and um, mm. and so they, you, you know, that in the end they're they're going to stay together. But he didn't marry, they didn't marry right away because she didn't want, and she probably would have, the, the, from what I read, they would have moved her from that air anti-aircraft unit. They would have mm. put her inside, and she didn't want to leave the anti-aircraft unit. And he he didn't like it because it was such a dangerous job, but he he put up with it. But he, yeah, Dennis is. Um, Dennis is a good friend of Chris's, and and Dennis was injured. He was burned in in a uh, when his plane went down. So he's very sensitive about some scarring. But Kitty never ever, Kitty never ever was upset about where he was scarred and stuff. You know. Then so she's just um, she she's a, she's a, just a, a really good foil for a- Ava because I get to I get to use her to have Ava sound out about things. You know, it's amazing. I don't think enough people know about these girls or what they did. Until you send me the thing for the book, I said, like, really? That's amazing. Because I don't think enough people Most know that people they were don't out know. there. Most people don't know. Me. Most people yeah. know. They do know. They do know that, the, you know, a lot of their the women did a lot of men's jobs just like they did here. I mean, they know that from their from what they learned in history. And they know that the queen, the, the current queen, when she was a young woman, um, she was actually, she actually joined the uh, auxiliary, um, and she uh, she was trained as a mechanic. She used to drive mm-hmm. drive uh, army trucks and, and worked on army jeeps and stuff like that. Um, but no, very few people know that women work the anti-aircraft units, and it's uh, it's or you know the ones that transported planes and stuff. And um, but there's a tremendous amount of information out there. Um, it, on YouTube, I found um, I found some several several surviving uh, interviews with women that actually worked those units, and they they were so excited to talk about their time and what they their contribution to helping helping England, you know, not get conquered, that you know, helping keep their country safe. Mm-hmm. And it was it, these women were so charming to listen to them, and they were got they were so pleased that somebody wanted that they got to share what their experience was and. Um, it was just wonderful to listen to them. That's amazing because it's very hard sometimes to get people to talk about past experiences. I know because with World War II, a lot of very few people want to talk about the camps or anything, and I've interviewed people like that. I'm going to interview somebody like that in August, as a matter of fact. That should be interesting. So when training is over, how did you create the battle scenes, and what research did you do? I did look up the Outcat oh. Girls. There's a lot of information out there, too. Really interesting. Yeah, uh, the battle scenes. The battle scenes were wonderful to do. Um, yeah. The Spitfires, which my my Chris, my pilot, is flies a, flies the Spitfire. Spit, Spitfires all have um, cameras over the gun ports, and so they actually they actually every dogfight actually got filmed, and that's the way they actually confirm kills that certain pilots have. They, they'll turn around and say, you know, so and so pilot, pilot Jones, uh, you know, uh, pilot Jones. You know, got five air Messerschmitt shot down five Messerschmitt. Well, that's how they know because they're the gun, the the cameras on the gun port, and all of that, all that film, all those dogfights between actual Spitfires mm. and Messerschmitt, all of that is is archived. So I watched hours hours of do- actual dogfights that occurred. Um, mm. the, the same thing with uh, the same thing with the broadcast, the BBC broadcast of bombing at Coventry. 
and the bombing of, of uh, Pearl Harbor. BBC archived all those shows, so you can actually listen to the true the broadcast as it, as it went out over the air. Um, so, and then and then there's there there is uh, there's a couple of on um, Spitfires. There's a couple of um, of actual like step by step takes you inside of the, the cockpit. You can go on YouTube, and you are the pi- and everything you're, you're the pilot. Everything is seen through the pilot's eyes, and they walk you through. They 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 set it up like they, just like the cameras attached to you. You sit down in the in the, the cockpit, and the the whole panel is in front of you, and they're they, you know, you know and they tell you this does this, this does that, this does this. So, and then I ran across an article by a former POW, an English pilot, RAF pilot, who was a POW in in uh, Germany. Uh, when he got shot down, and and then that's how I got the the, the camp that Chris is winds up uh, as a POW mm. in. That came from that man's article. Uh, what he talked about in that camp and how that camp was and how they got fed and uh, the things that happened. That came from an actual um, uh, pilot who was there. I got the chills when I read that. I was so worried about him. I was just so glad when they finally got out. So tell us about the German fighter planes and how did the British hope to take them on? And what happened the best when the can. lives it's are lost? How did they handle it? That's horrible. With, well, you know, um, Messerschmitt's, there's there's lots of information on comparisons between Messerschmitt's and, and, and Spitfires and Messerschmitt's and, and Hawker Hurricanes, the British the British planes. Um, each plane, you know, the different planes had their each of had their different advantages. Some, some were faster. Some were were easier to maneuver. Um, the, the you know Messerschmitts had a lot of Messerschmitts had 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 the speed. Um, they but you know they the Spitfire was easier to maneuver. It was smaller and 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 could maneuver quicker. But the Messerschmitt actually had better speed and and the Messerschmitt had more guns on their on. Their, had more guns That's amazing. than, than the, the. Oh. So, <laughs> that, that's amazing. And Rolls Royce, Rolls Royce made the engines for him. Rolls Royce is yes. almost all the all the major industries in England. Once the war started, started in 1939, were converted to war effort. So even even lipstick tubes, metal lipstick tubes like Cody, with a the the lipstick she liked to use was Cody. And uh, but their little tubes, they had to stop making the little metal tubes and convert mm. to making bullets. You know, a Rolls Royce stopped making car engines and made Spitfire engines. So we have. I I want this guy, the uncle. You need somebody like yeah. him. I used well. I had an uncle Alex that was like him, and if you need, needed something done, you didn't ask how he got it done, but it did get done. I miss that. So tell us about his <laughs> uncle and how he helps them get together more. Let me tell you, if I had a problem, like what I'm going through now, whatever it is, it would have been taken care of. So how, tell us about the uncle and why we all need one like him. But he's great. He had, um, he has, he has a lot of influence, but then he has, in a, in a lot of ways, it's limited. He was able to help, um, help with getting her and Kitty, his, you know. Chris asked for his friend Dennis. He was able to get the girl, the two, the two women assigned to that the the closest anti-aircraft mm. team for for Chris. But um, you know, and and of course when he's when he starts courting her mother, her widowed mother and stuff, and when they get married, 
being an officer, a high, high-ranking yeah. officer, he was they, he was able to you know bring food in from the officers' club. So all this rationing, you know, he you know the, normally the rationing they would have been a, kind of a sad little little reception, but he was able to bring in mm-hmm. very nice meals. But other than that, once he once the girls once the girls became part of the anti-aircraft unit, mm-hmm. they became part of the royal. They went from being uh, part of the uh, part of the air force to being part of the artillery. And he he is not an officer in the in the royal artillery. That's scary. So what happens when she gets hurt? How does he help her? He didn't help her. He didn't he help didn't her. Help her. Right? She got she, no. She got when she if she got. Um, she got some flack from, and it hit her in the hip, and she was hurt. Had had that injury and stuff, and she's going to have a scar and stuff. But it's shrapnel. She got shrapnel in in her hip when they when she they were scraped. But um, she just you know if there was nothing he could do. They she just went to a regular hospital and and the military the military hospital uh, nearby and um, that was there's really she's she's still mobile she's. She still continued to work, even though, even though she had this little um, this minor injury. So it tell us how Penny, bec- <laughs> Penny becomes part of her family. How come, and where does she wind up? Penny is, um, well, Penny's family, Penny's mother and grandmother, stayed with with uh, Ava's mom out out in yeah. uh, out in her little her little. She has a small little. Um, not farm, but small little little place out uh, outside of Kent. They, her Penny's father wanted them to get out of London because of the bombing. He knew it continued, which it did. He stayed behind to continue working. He worked in the, the finance district, and so he continued working there. Um, and her Penny's mother and grandmother stayed with with Ava's mother, and they you know got along well, and they each had their own little contribution to make. Uh, and Penny went on to uh, go to the auxiliary air force, air force, air transport, auxiliary air transport. And, and you, the only time you really see Penny again is towards the, is at the end when Ava's getting married, and Penny mm-hmm. is, yeah. Penny is, is uh, makes, <laughs> Penny is chatting up a friend, of, a pilot friend of, of Chris's, and they, you get the impression that, that may be a couple down the road one day. That's so nice, though. Is this a standalone, or are you going to write some more about them? I have to ask that question. That's I haven't just—I dis- haven't decided. So far, it's a standalone. If I write another, um, I'm not sure if I'll write a book around Penny or if I write a, uh, write another World War II story that's a completely different World War II story. I yeah. haven't decided yet. But this one right now is a standalone. Right, and currently I'm working on a joint book uh, set in oh, World good. War One with, with with my girlfriend Jennifer Connor. Um, she it is loosely based on a female sculptor. In World War One, that uh, changed. Who, who she was American, and she was in England during World War One, and she mm. started seeing all these disfigured, disfigured soldiers coming back, and she started trying to find a way to make masks for them to help them um, be able to function in society because they were so disfigured, and it kind of mask would help cover some of the disfigurement. And the hero, uh, I'm writing the hero, and the hero is a. Uh, is uh, works. He's a copper copper set installer. He works with copper, and he's going to help her try to make these masks so they're, they're more malleable and easier to wear and stuff. So that's set in World War One. That we're working on that together. That sounds interesting. Then you'll just have to both come on together. 
That's all. Mm. I think we can. Yeah, do I'm doing. That. As a matter of fact, I'm doing. I, I'm so loaded. I'm even doing two panels, one in September and one in October, on crazy things that I could possibly think of. One is going to be: Does the villain show remorse, and how do you get around that? And the other one is beginning, middle, and end. How do you write the middle of your book so that friend doesn't fall asleep while you're reading it? She's reading it. <laughs> it's, that's that's we got. I forget it. It's got crazy. So Chris never writes to her, and why? And how does she deal with that when she has feelings well, for him? Well, he he she yeah, know. he explains. She he she asks him outright in the one scene, and and he says, you know, I'm not. That's not something I just. I'm not a writer. I, and he's. I wrote letters and I tore them up because I just thought they were just so stupid. They were just you know my everyday boring stuff. And she said, um, you know. And so she uh, she told him, well, she said, I you know, write me anyway. You know, I don't care if it's boring. It it's just I just want to hear from you. And, and so they. He the, the only letter he really he really writes then is the one that. Um, that that she's given after they think he's killed. He wrote a letter yeah. in case he got killed. That that's heartbreaking. I know. But I didn't think you would do that to me at the end of the book, though. You can't do that. So, when his plane goes down, how do you how do you research what happens to a prisoner of war, and what does Ada Ava think? And do they tell her the truth? Ever? Well, they they the, the truth is that they think he's dead. They saw his plane go down. Yeah. They saw the explosion of black smoke. He, they believe he's dead. Um, mm. She never believes it. She never believes that he's dead. Um, and she holds on to that, the idea that he's not, that somehow he survived. Uh, and I, the research I got from the prisoner of wars was uh, there are several articles I read from actual men who were prisoners of war, pilots, and then um, – like I said, I, I, those articles they talked about what the camp was like. What they even talked about what they ate, what they were, what the Germans mm. fed them. When they started getting starved, because when Germany was bombed real heavily towards the end of the war, um, they put those prisoners on starvation diets. Um, and so they they were, and they were talking about different events, you know. And when I did uh, just general research on prisoner of war camps, because the prisoner of war camps for pilots were better than regular prisoner of war camps. It was kind of like a, a yeah, pilot, pilot decency. And um, so a couple of those, when they, like when the camp got, the camp I wrote about actually existed. That's the, the, the longest article I read from a man that was in that camp. And when it mm. got, when it got, um, when it got free, when they, when the Germans left it, it did get, it did get liberated by the Russians, but it didn't get liberated right away. And there's an event in there between an American colonel and the um, the Russian the Russian officer that is a true event. It's documented in one of the uh, articles I read. So when she the truth comes out, how does she deal with it? How does anybody deal with this? Well, she confronts him because yeah. she 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 sees him when she goes after the end as the war ends. She's starting. She's going back. Her her aunt at a bookstore in mm. in Kent, and she's there, there. She goes back and she's doing working with her aunt. And he comes in quietly, comes into the bookstore, sees her, but then gets gets cold feet because he's so he's so badly scarred up. 
and he didn't. That's what he. That's why he doesn't want to see her. Does because his face is badly scarred because he got, you know, from the from the um, crash, and he leaves. But she she sees him just as he's leaving, and she catches up to him, and she's a you know, and she talks to him, and she said, "Would you? I don't care. I don't. I don't care. You know, I don't care that you." You're not, you know. I I love you, and if if yeah, I was in a bad accident, would you leave me? And he said, No, you know, I wouldn't. No, I would never leave you. She said, Why? Why would you think I'd leave you? So that's sad. I know. And some people came back with one arm, one leg. When it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. And it's hard at times. Um, you know, I read about Germany. My grandmother was in a German. Con- was in a Polish concentration camp. And she told me stories about what happened to her, and that's why I understood that this, my aunt said to me, you know, she's not your grandmother, she's your step-grandmother, she never had children, my grandmother. I said, what did I know? I didn't realize that they did some x-rays on her, though she could never have children. It was, like, so frightening. So the part that I really love, because I love big bands, because I'm a music major, how could you conclude the big bands and wove it, wove it into the plot? That was interesting. Oh, they had. Uh, <laughs> well, I was listening. I I I bought um, I bought a double album from iTunes of Glenn Miller's hits, and um, and a couple other songs from from there. And and as I was writing this story, I'd listen to that in the background, you know. And uh, and then I would just you know like uh, that's how I in- I incorporated it into the story because I'd listen to it and I'd I'd make sure that the the song, the song matched the year, you know, because like mm. if it was this, what would she be listening to at a pub? What would she be listening to here and there, you know? So like, you know, like I said, I was like, whether it's Moonlight Serenade or, or you know, yeah, I love that song. Begin the Begin, that sort of thing, you know. Those are the first songs that my piano teacher made me play. Was Moonlight Sonata, Fear Release, and all of those songs that you just mentioned. Because I was a concert pianist, and she made me learn all the hard stuff. So when I listen to the big bands, it's like it, it strikes it out. It's really cool. So you did a lot of interviews. What was the most compelling interview that you did with the living surviving RAF? I I did actually I myself. I watched you know, people are dead now. I mean, there was the ones that are alive are maybe in their nineties, but. Um, they, there's, from the early 2000s, there's, um, there's a lot of, uh, there's, a, there's a fair amount of interviews that were done uh, on British television of um, RAF, the RAF pilots talking about Spitfires. They were doing a special on Spitfires and how much they loved that plane. And then they talked to some of the women, and uh, the women were really cute, and, uh, and they were so proud of what they did. And one of the women, she said, I can still fit in my uniform, and she ran off. And came back out in her her uniform. She was she was adorable. Um, so that I just watched interviews of these BBC and and British. Well, you have a lot of fans out there that are facebooking me and telling me they're listening. A whole bunch of people that that, that, good, are, that are just yeah that are that are like people that you know Cheryl, Deb Pines, Marsha Casper Cook. A whole bunch of people by saying they're listening. Well, everybody listen because this is really great, and you're going to learn a lot about history in this. You know, the, I wonder, seriously, I'm just adding this question off the top of my head, why it is that kids don't learn about this in school? 
Why do I don't learn about no. other things, other other areas? This would be really. I mean, see, if I was sitting in a history class and learning this, I probably wouldn't have fallen asleep with the boring teacher. And I'm an A student, and it's like, holy God, if I hear one more thing about the same thing, and they don't they don't know the history. What they do is they take a social studies book, which I never did when I taught, and they read the book, and that's how they taught it. They didn't teach it from real life or articles or anything. So what what would you think about kids learning about the ACAC girls in history in high school? I think it would have been great. I think that they, they you know, it helps if you can if you can pull these kids in and, and bring it to life for them. Let them know what does it feel like when bombs are falling all around you. What does it feel like to... To know that your country, you're the last stop before, you know, for this, some, you know, between Germany and you, you know, and if and if you if you're not out there, um, you're going to be wind up, you know, getting wiped out and starved and everything like that. And the 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 determination, the courage and determination of mm. the people. Um, and I don't know why they don't teach it, but uh, you know, I'm I I'm still shocked that there are people out there that don't believe the Holocaust occurred. You know, and it's like I I don't even know where to begin with you if you think that that didn't that never happened. Six million people were dead, and you don't think it happened. You know. I hear that a lot, and I say my grandmother lived it. My other grandmother lived it. My grandmother's five sisters lived it. My grandfather had to go to the underground, the Polish underground, to get my grandmother out. And the stories that she told me, I mean, that's why in my book Silent Voices, the first one is my grandma Katie. And her story and what happened to her. Because so I felt that not enough people know. And the second one is my grandma, my other grandmother. And what happened to her after she left Russia. And the cruelty that she faced living with an aunt. People don't realize that. And maybe they need to show the videos. Or maybe instead of all these junk programs on television about these families that do ridiculous things, maybe they need to focus on something in history a little bit more. Serious, that's just me. That's just the educator in me. What can I say? So, on Thursday, no, Wednesday, the author of the last seventh infantry will be there, Charlie Finley. On the 28th, the author of, this is interesting, The Dead Tree Tales, somebody tried to poison an Angora tree with with a specific chemical and what happened, and it was all for money. On the 29th, just confirmed, Tess Gerritsen and Gary Raver, choose me. I'm excited. And on the 30th, I'm not sure. I'm waiting for the confirmation from the publicist for the man that wrote through a sober lens. Um, he's an alcoholic, recovering alcoholic, and he tells his story through photography, through pictures that he made. I truly hope huh. he does it because, yeah, it's interesting. And then we start back in August with uh, Jeff Bond, somebody that we all know and love. Trinity House is going to do an inspirational one. And nothing, not better than August 5th, Iris Johansson, The Bullet. I, I, you know, I, I, I get so excited because I can't believe people like you and everybody else asked to be on my radio show, and I go like, oh, my God, I really did. I, this is fantastic. So how did you create the final scenes in this book? How did you tie it all together? Well, I... Um once I had him in the uh, had him in the camp and stuff, and uh, and I, I you know and I I wanted him because he was so conscious about about the scarring and everything like that. Um, so I I didn't want him to be, I you know I didn't want him to go rushing back to her because he was because you know these 
some of these men, like like Dennis, was so con- conscientious mm. about his burn scars. And so I just, and, and it's, after spending several years in a prisoner of war camp, um, I he can't. Uh, I didn't think. I didn't believe that he would just walk out of there and just be a okay. You know, because he went through some horrible. Oh, as a prisoner, he went through horrible things. And there has to be some kind of suddenly you come back into the real world, and you know, and and you know, you're 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 back with your family, your parents, and his parents, mm-hmm. and he, he's back with their, their 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 cook, and their cooks making him a meal. But this isn't—he's—he's he's been in dire straits for the last three years. So there's a there's some time that he—I wanted to give him time to get his head right, to get back and say it's—you know—to get back into what what's normal in, anymore for him. Um, so that's why I, I let him go to Scotland, let him be by himself, let him kind of gather his thoughts, gather his emotions. Um, you know, he just goes fishing. He's by himself, and and then he goes at this little quiet end. And then when he finally musters the, the courage to, to decide to face her, and then he, he chickens out, and, but that's when she sees him walking down, walking away. And uh, she never, I, you know, I just, I never let her, I never let her believe that he was dead. And so mm-hmm. when she, so she's, when he's walking away, she's her, she's like worried. What? You are not walking away from me. You are telling me what happened, and and because I never ever stopped believing in you, and so you know I wanted to give her that power, um, and and to to let him, to give him permission to 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 be, to be hesitant, and she's okay, okay. You stop being hesitant now. I'm here. You're here. We're gonna have this life. We we've we've been you know, fighting for we've been fighting for these for this enemy for five years. Mm. And now we have our chance to live, you know. Well, that's why I said is there a sequel because I would be wondering how are they doing now that the war is over? What is their real life? Is he able to deal with how he is, or does he revert back? Does he need help? Does he need counseling? That's why I'm wondering. That's just me. That's just me. Yeah, I don't know if I will go down that road with them again or not. Um, if I did, if I have them, in, if I have them in another book. They would be the support characters, and I'd let somebody else be the hero. Yeah. Right. Well, which other characters didn't we talk about besides the one that's got my name, Anne Franny? I'm sorry. What about what was the question? Which other characters do you want to share before we end, especially the one with my name, Anne Franny? <laughs> She's got to be wonderful. Um. Well. I uh, oh I I did this is not the same the same series, but I thought I would let your 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 audience know. Um, I have you know I have the Bloodstone series because we did an interview on my last book the Bloodstone yeah. book my Victorian detective. That book yeah. um, the last one of Venomous Love just won an international um, first place award for nice. uh, from Chanticleer. It's a SIBA award and it's for suspense thriller c- category. So. I'm very happy. I was very, very. I had a lot of competition. I was really kind of surprised that I made. I got. I got first place on that because I didn't really think that. I thought, oh, my chances are pretty slim. So I was really proud of that. That just happened a week ago. I saw that. I think I commented or something on there. I saw that on Facebook. I watch. I. I don't go on too often, and I don't comment about anything other than books and stuff. Cause I have to be careful. 
Um, but it, it's 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 great when people win and when people write the write things. Well, my book, everybody, I got to tell you, Saturday, June 26th, Population Zero comes out on Amazon. And ah, congratulations! Yeah, it, it I've gotten some mixed thoughts about it. Um, it's a world without people, and then I invite a dead person to come back and experience the horror that I created. And the reason is is because people are not walking out at times to look at the sun, appreciate the, the water, appreciate what we have in life. Instead, I don't like racism. I don't like hate. I like people to walk out and say, good morning, how are you doing? They don't do that anymore. Some communities require that you wear masks and some don't. Some stores, believe it or not, require that you don't have to wear them anymore. And I walk in anyway because I'm afraid. I'm not going to take a chance. So I wrote Population Zero. Basically, it's a world without people. I invited nine people to come back and experience my horror and tell you whether they want to live in that. And I invited one man to come back and experience them all. And I've actually come up with an idea for a sequel that people won't might, might not like. And I think it's going to be called Population Zero. Some people uh, we're back or something like that. And tell how the, how people actually live in the worlds I created, and see if they can get along better. That was my wild mm, idea. Interesting. Not well, only I should tell you too. What? Go on. I should tell you. I should tell you that I just uh, um, the audio of Akak Girls just got released on on Audio dot com. Oh, nice. So that just came out. Yeah. So that that is nice. That is great. I I've never done an audio. For my book, because basically the characters are dead, telling the story. Huh? So, yeah, the, the faces behind the stones, usually it's a dead person telling how they got there. So I, I don't think feel comfortable with that. I, I don't feel comfortable having a dead person tell a, tell a story. What can I say? So Well, I didn't do, I didn't do the narration. Somebody else did. Somebody, another woman, uh, uh, yeah, a no. different person. I don't do the narration. Somebody else does them. Yeah, I've listened to some audio books, and I've read the book, and I'm going like, that doesn't make sense because the person doesn't fit the character. So if Ava could talk to the to the public or a school child, now what would she tell them about being an AFGAC girl? And what if they got, you know, they don't have that now. Do they have women fighter pilots anymore? Oh, they have women fighter pilots now, yeah. Yeah, but, they um, do, right? Because they had that, they were, yeah, there's women, there's, there's several, a couple of the women fighter pilots um, you actually have ran for office and stuff like that. There's a, a woman fighter, in the F, I think she's like F-18 pilot, ran, ran um, for Senate, you know, in Kentucky. Mm. There's a, a fight, a, one, a woman that got shot down in a, a fighter helicopter. Uh, she ran, mm. she ran um, in Texas, and in fact, she's, she, I forget her name, but when, they, uh, people ask her, she has some tattoos, and people ask her about her tattoos, and she mm. said the tattoos actually cover up scars from when I got shot down. And she was a, uh, she continued to shoot. She was firing on the, on, uh, the, the as they were going, as their plane was going down. Um, they, they even have, uh, one of the Arab countries has some fi- female fighter mm. pilots. That is so. amazing. But if Ava was alive, if she was a real person, would she encourage girls to go into that field? I think she I mean, would. You have to have a certain personality for that. I know that. 
I think she would. I think she'd encourage women to, to, to you know, if you're interested in it, then try it. Try to be it. Try to then try to do it. I think Ava's of the of the philosophy. There's nothing that we can't do if you, you know, we're, we can fly planes. We can shoot. We can shoot. You know, uh, like she even tells the one one of the guys insults insults the women and, and you know and but she mm-hmm. says. Yeah, I can look in the sky and identify a plane as well as any man. I can I can figure out how long the fuse is going to be, you know, and so that I think she would she would be a a big cheerleader for women that want to do that want to do interesting different things. Well, she went through this thing, and do the guys the guys that are in charge do they treat the women the same way they treated the men that were fighting were fighter pilots, or do they have to fight to be recognized? I think well, they first for she wasn't a fighter pilot. She was she was yeah. in an anti-aircraft unit. Yeah. Um, but the the the, the men that are doing the training themselves, the the men that are actually trying to show them what they need to mm. do, what they need to know, they were they 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 took it seriously. They they treated them with seriousness. Um, but like you have to remember, think of the times, and even now, even yeah. now there are men that, that that talk down to women and and you know are condescending to women. And there were some pilots that were very condescending in the seat in the book. There's some, there's one or two pilots that are very condescending mm-hmm. to the women, like you know, because um, that's just the way the times and and the way some people are. Yeah, it bothers me. It wouldn't because be, I, you know, everybody have treated them with with everybody treated them with great respect. I don't think they would have been true to the, the time. Well, they deserve it. Let me tell you, I I, I ride through <laughs> my area, and. I see that this construction, I won't tell you which company is doing it, and I know that they, you, know, you have to start at the bottom, but my heart goes out to this girl sailing with a pole that says slow and stop for an hour, for 10 hours a day. And I'm looking at them like I feel so bad for them. It's not that they can't do the job. It's just that they're starting at the bottom, and I'm going like they need to be treated a lot better. They need to move up a little faster. And every single day this poor girl is standing there in 110-degree weather, probably getting paid a lot of money to just stand with a sign that says stop and slow. The, the traffic pattern around here is horrendous. It could take you an hour to get down the block. <laughs> but I just feel oh, that, God. you know, yeah, women des- deserve deserve respect. And I noticed that even in the police department they complain that you don't always get that. You know that better than anyone else because they're not a police detective. It's, it's, it's hard sometimes. You have to earn it, I guess. And yet sometimes, you know, the when the the police the poli- they would never make a woman police chief would they I don't think or maybe they would oh they, you've had you've got several that have been chiefs uh, Seattle had two female chiefs um, yep. you've got the Val Demings in Florida was a chief of police in Orlando mm. um, so you've got some places that do it but it, there's not the, overall it's usually a, a good old boy network still okay so who was Carl in this book I have the book in front of me. Who was Carl, and what was his role as far as with Chris? Carl. Carl, yeah. There is no Carl. There's no Carl. K A R L. It says with Carl followed his armload of wood chunks he torn from the German latrine. No, maybe. I'm just looking oh, at. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, all right, yeah. I forgot for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> that's in the like, prisoner okay. of war camp. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's in the prisoner of war camp. And there were, the prisoner of war camp had uh, Allied pilots, had uh, British, Canadian, and American pilots. And when the Germans, the Germans knew that the, Ger- the Russians were just outside the, uh, the camp, were headed that way. So the German guards all left. And once the German guards left, they, they, 
prisoners started gathering stuff, you know, and they were, they found a bag of they found some potatoes that got left behind, and these guys were mm-hmm. starving. And so, you know, you got one. Uh, you, we had there were two guys, one American, one Canadian, that actually mm-hmm. spoke German. They, were, they came from German families, so they they understood it. So they uh, they knew that the guards were leaving. They knew the Russians were on the way. But they started gathering up when they found the bag of potatoes. They started gathering up stuff to start a, mm. a bonfire so they could cook the potatoes. They were they were hungry. They were going to eat. That that is uh, that is scary. That is really scary because you have to make do with what you have. I know my grandmother told me that they barely fed them. That she looked like some some kind of skeleton when she came out. It's horrible. Plus the fact that they the were doing the experiments yeah. on them is even worse. The guy that uh, one of the prisoners' articles that I wrote that I that I read, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, um, the guy that was in the camp that I wrote about, he said, yeah, he said in a matter of months he had lost 30 pounds. Oh God! Um, you know. How yeah. do you keep? With one final question before we ask where we can find out about you, how does somebody in a prison of war keep their sanity? How do, how does Chris? How did the rest of them come out? Not. Brain, you know, with, with I'm sure they have mental problems, but how do they come out being somewhat sane? How do you keep your mind? You know, I don't know, and I think that's why you know we we, we so many guys suffer from PTSD. So many yeah. guys have nightmares afterwards and stuff, and some of them their nightmares last for all their lives. Um, you know, there's. I don't know. I can't. I really don't know how how they uh, how they can actually help learn to function again. You know, without that, it has to leave permanent scars. And you know, there are 22 veterans. Uh, 22 veterans commit suicide every day. So yeah, some I of know. them never recover. I know. I, you know, my nephew is a staff sergeant in the army. Um, he's kind of unique, I guess. He's got this unusual personality. And I wonder sometimes if he doesn't suffer from PTSD just from the training that he had, because he almost didn't survive basic training, but he did after a while. And from when I listen, you know, to them talk, it's scary. I don't know why. I know that people want to enter the army for education and stuff like that, but I often wonder why they want to enlist and if 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 they're able to do it. And what happens if somebody can't do it? They they don't throw them out. That, that's a, that's yeah, what well, you can, you can they just get discharged out or something like that. Yeah. Um, if if Ava had failed in the training, the ACAC training, if she had failed in that, they would have just sent her back to doing the office work and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have found, found another assignment for those those girls that didn't make it through the training. So now we know you're working on a book that's with someone else. Are you working on anything else? And where can everybody find out about you and your work? Uh, you can go to chriscarlson.com. That's my website. I have um, I have a lot of uh, I have trailers, book trailers there. I have excerpts there from every book. Um, there's teasers there. There's uh, that sort of thing. I am I have some book boards on Pinterest where I where I mm. if I got to do my Dreamcast that sort of thing. Uh, mm. uh, all my books are for sale. All my books are in audio, and there are, some of them are. In, uh, if, if, if you have Spanish people in your audience, I have several that have been translated into Spanish and Portuguese. Um, and I'm on, I'm on all the major sales sites. I'm on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, Kobo um, iTunes. 
So you can always get my books there. Um, so that is, like I said, I uh, I'm not, I don't have any appearances upcoming yet, but mm-hmm. I usually, if you watch my Facebook page, you know, uh, if you watch my Facebook page, or uh, you can usually see where I'm going to appear. If I, if I have someplace, if I'm on tour, I just came off a blog tour, and mm-hmm. um, I'll be going probably going on another. I'll probably be going on a one-day flash tour uh, to to, to uh, announce the the audio book. And uh, that will probably be coming up in the next month or so. Yeah, I'm doing a month with Partners in Crime in August. Oh, and I'm God, doing, yes. and I this is this is unreal. Um, because it's horror, and because I they, I review for them, but I was upset that they didn't take my last one. They're taking this one. Isabella Blackthorn is giving me a tour in December. It's called the Tea Break. And ah. We'll see what. I, yeah, it's it's different. Yeah, I know. And I was honored because I was really upset that they didn't take What If, and this one they took because they said I'm their number one favorite reviewer in the whole universe. I said if that's the case, then just tell me what you think. And no, they they read it. They like it. So it's going to be like small. They do like small novellas. Mm-hmm. This is 76 pages, but it's coming out on Saturday. And Saturday, it comes out in memory of my sister, Marsha Joyce. It's a day Aww. that, there's a day that, it's not a happy day. So I decided to do something that she would be proud of because if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be doing this. She said I should do a radio. She's the one that told me to write books. And I said, you're going to be sorry because my first book, My Name is Bertha, is all about growing up in the Bronx together. So thank you so much. Um, you went up for panels when I create more in October and November? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'd love to I'd love strange. to do it and I'm yeah. sure I'm sure my partner Jennifer Connor would love to do it too. So we, we Tell would, her to it would send be me great. something. What does she write? What books does she write? How come I don't know her? She's she does a lot of romances. Um this is the first oh, one okay. we've ever done together. And uh, so yeah, so she does. She does that. She's um, um, oh god, I'm trying to think of the name of her series. I can't think of really off the top of my head the name of her series, but yeah, she does. She does uh, a lot of short. She does a lot of short stories. Oh uh, nice. Novellas. Yeah. Novellas are my favorite. In fact, she just did, and you mentioned her. She just did a. She just did a guest spot with Marsha with Marcia Cook. Yeah, I didn't know what Marsha was doing. I know she had Vincent Zandri and Dick Belsky. And Vincent is going to be doing um, the panel in September with John Lansing and uh, David McCallop and Charles Salzberg. And then in October, I've got um, Dick Belsky and Brian Brian Silverman and a few other people that have volunteered to do this for me. And that's what we're going to talk about um, in October. Uh, Vincent, what we want to talk about beginning, middle, and end and in October, we're going to talk about uh, your psychological, oh, Dennis Palumbo, because he's my psychotherapist person. We're going to talk about um, how, how does, how does a, a criminal decide on what they're going to do? How does the violence and what, psych, what psychological problems does this person have that he brings to the story? It should be fun. Interesting? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say I was going to do something boring. <laughs> what can I say? I have a, I have a few more ideas of things that I've never done, but I want to thank you so much, and I'm glad you you know you're okay, 
and um, I will let you know if, when, if and when I decide to do something in October. But everybody, it's a beautiful day outside. Have a great day, but stay safe. Be smart. When you go into a store, beware of you know people that don't wear masks. That's up to you. But me, I'd rather be safe and wear a mask to go in because you don't know who's vaccinated and who's not. So everybody stay safe. Chris, thank you so much. Everybody have a great day, and bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.